Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and we're doing something unprecedented today, something we've never done before on Talk is Jericho, and something that's maybe have never been done uh, before in the podcast world. We are teaming up here with Kevin Smith, my good friend, and his Smodcast to do a two-part watch-along of the Bad News Bears. That's right. We're doing Act 1 of the movie right here on Talk is Jericho, and as soon as it ends, head to Smodcast for Part 2. That'll be the last half of the movie. We'll tell you exactly where to queue up and then when to hit pause so you can switch to Smodcast. But since it's Friday, you know what we got to do before we get to one of my favorite movies of all time. We got to go to one of my favorite joke tellers of all time. That's right. Time for the critically acclaimed Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan here. Yeah, I'm sitting with your buddy Tadal. I'm on the tour bus. Let's uh, take off from L.A. to San Francisco on my tour. Tenderness. Shameless plug again. Uh, but I got to, you know, you know why uh, Saddam Hussein liked uh, the quadratic equation? Because he was a fan of weapons of mass instruction. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Uh, I mean, come on. How could you not like that one? Weapons of math instruction. Did you get that? Uh, thanks, stuff. Never missed a Friday ever, even while he's on his uh, tour, cheap plug of tenderness, cheap plug, and whatever, uh, all the great stuff that's been going on. Tenderness is actually number one on the Heat Seekers charts on the Billboard uh, Billboard charts, so congratulations to Duff for that. All right, it's the return of Kevin Smith and the Bad News Bears right here on Talk is Jericho, starting now. All right, so here we are, uh, Talk is Jericho, and um, one of the things that we've been enjoying is kind of the movie retrospectives. We had a Warriors one recently, and we did the Outsiders. This is the first time ever we're going to combine it with a watch-along, which we've had here, Kiss Me, the Fan of the Park, and Sleepaway Camp 2, with Kevin Smith. And we're going to try some kind of a multimedia, multi-generational uh, 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 time warp skip. We're going to do part one here on Talk is Jericho, and then part two on the Smodcast, which I've never done before. It's a two-parter, kids. It's a two-parter. This is just like when, back in the day, Laverne and Shirley started on Happy Days, and then they go over and to Laverne and Shirley, and you're like, holy shit. Or Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High Power Hour together, which is how I discovered that show on PBS. They would do a power on PBS. PBS is where I saw it. Like, you kids saw it on yeah, CBC. We saw it. When I saw it, it was on public broadcasting. It was PBS. Some kids got taught it in classrooms, but I saw it on really? PBS. Can you imagine? It was a teaching tool. Really? That's how I bought my entire set of the show. Mm -hmm. Like, I bought when uh, Clerks happened. Like, I got some scratch. I paid off the movie and shit like that. One of the first things I did was, like, I want the honest-to-goodness set of Degrassi on VHS because I had taped all the episodes. And then when I was going to film school up in Vancouver... Uh, a roommate introduced me to the notion that there was a Degrassi I hadn't seen. School's out, the movie. Oh, great. And this is pre-internet. Tessa Campanelli. Oh, one of the greatest lines, lines in ever. television history, yep. man. Tessa Campanelli. Yep. Yeah. Tessa Campanelli. What? I mean, that, what, that show was on CBC. Yeah. So you're seeing that. And one thing I always Did heard. Did you watch it live? Yes. You have to understand, and, and we'll get back to your story quickly, but Degrassi was, was, was huge, obviously, a pop culture phenomenon in Canada. Mm -hmm. So school's out. Like, it was like, it was like watching the last season of Game of Thrones. Right. Like we knew it was coming to an end. This was the end game of Degrassi. End game of Degrassi. <laughs> and you <laughs> and you had, you know, whatever if they have twenty episodes a year, whatever, but it was half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, all leading up to this 
two hour. It was a movie, a special. Yes, movie. schools out Saturday night, the final Degrassi. So everyone was gathered around. I was probably twenty one years old, but this was everything because it had been see. at this point. You got to figure about like at least ten years of a franchise yeah. between the kids of Degrassi, mm-hmm. Degrassi Junior High, and Degrassi, Degrassi High. High, and basically the same age as me. I was might have been a year or two <laughs> older, so I grew up with these guys like Wheels to this day. Still one of my favorite characters in television history. Yeah. Like, just loved Wheels. Neil Hope was his name. He's not with us anymore. God no, bless we Neil lost Hope. him, sadly. We lost him. But um, to see kind of the whole finale. And it was it was Empire Strikes Back mm. with no Return of the Jedi. It was a real dark finale. The movie itself. The movie itself. When I finally saw it, like, because the roommate that I was living with had told me, but he found out, like, I was living there for about, like, a month. And one day, like... I was heading to this thing that had BC movie magic. It was called <laughs> where they were like, look at a Chapman crane, look at like the movie industry. And, uh, they, and as a bonus, <laughs> take photos and get autographs with the kids of Degrassi, which the show had been off the air for a long time. Mm. I think maybe they were in the incarnation of Degrassi talks where they just picked five. Or so six what year months. is this you're talking about? When I went to film school, so circa 92. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. So the show ended about 91 or so. Yeah. So, so they were kind of on the, like, uh, well, oh, remember Degrassi kids? Yeah. Like, but it wasn't happening. But Degrassi talks, I think, was happening at that point. So I, I was like, I'm going. What? Are you kidding me? The chance to meet Stacey Mastician? Like, this is nuts. Spike, right? No, Stacey Mastician was Caitlin. Caitlin, yeah. For um, name. So, so I tell my roommate, he's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to this thing called BC Movie Magic, man, because, like, you know, the kids of Degrassi are going to be there. And this dude was older than me, like a legit adult. And he was like, you like Degrassi? I was like, yeah, and you knew us from America. I was like, yeah, man, it's like one of the reasons I came to film school here. I love this show. And he goes, you know, they didn't shoot it here. I was like, oh, no, they shot it in Canada, though. It's a Canadian show. It's like the jewel in the Canadian crown. And he revealed himself to be a Degrassi nerd and how deeply he watched it and stuff. And so we were trading episodes, favorite moments. And then he was like, and then he said, you know, and then, of course, Tessa Campanelli, you were Tessa Campanelli. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you don't know that? And I was like, what is that? And he goes, school's out. And I said, what is that? And as I imagine a Degrassi, this would be like being a Marvel fan who didn't know about Infinity War and Endgame. Right. You're like, oh, I love those movies. And then like, well, did you like Infinity War? You must have loved that. And I'm like, and what is this now? <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, what? And that was so, the big finale. Oh, my God. What were, were you... For those that don't follow this, they never cursed on the TV show. Well, for you, you, so CBC was a Canadian channel. Back in those days, you would get CBC, uh, for example, Winnipeg would be CTV and CKND, and there'd be a, a UPW kind of a public channel. Mm-hmm. So you'd have four channels. Or there might be a French channel, too, if you have five. And the French channel you would watch, it would all be French, obviously, and you would see boobs. And you would call your friend go, did you see boobs on the French channel? Mm-hmm. This is before boobs were very easily accessible on right. every you know computer around. And your phone. And your phone and whatever. So if you saw a boob, like a boob sighting. You marked it. Marked it huge. And that's why we always loved like Benny Hill and Monty Python because you would get boobs on the CBC via the BBC. So yeah. I think- Pre-cable the, boobs were huge. Yes. And I think CBC's ratings uh, rules- we're a little more liberal. A little more liberal. So you could swear and see boobs, but they would never use it. Right. So in that point in time, when you heard on Schools Out, you know, Saturday night at 9 p.m., Tessa Campanelli, you're f***ing Tessa Campanelli, within the realm of CBC, it's legal, but you never heard it. So it was like, 
oh my gosh, there was you know no HBO, no cable. It was like real swearing, right? Like like it got through the censors. They went there. They went there. Yeah, it, it, it's a powerful. Experience. It is so 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 is, uh, you know so Tessa uh, so Joey's with Caitlin. Yeah, and she dumps him because he's contested Campanelli, which you saw a side boob as well. That's true. There was that. a little bit of that. A little boobage there. They can get away with that on CBC. You could. And then Wheels. Gets in the accident. Drinking and driving. Gets in an accident where Lucy, Lucy loses her eye yeah. and gets taken away to jail. The end. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Like, what a horrible finish. It, it's, and that was the end of, like, you'd grown up with these kids. Yes. And it wasn't like, oh, next week we'll wrap it up in a a more fun way no like they're, they're that was it they're they, like that's life kids end of the road right <laughs> and i think like i remember when i went to college this was pre you know word processors mm. i had a typewriter that my mom bought basically out of the want ads in the newspaper winnipeg free press and it's a typer and when you're doing a a, a paper you cannot have white out or a correction tape like you know, white out. You, when you're handing a paper, if in. you make a mistake, you white it out, right. or you can. If you made a mistake, you, you had to start from scratch. scratch. Oh, and baby. so many times on Sunday night at you know ten o'clock at night, super late on my last assignment, trying to get it done, but that's when Degrassi was on. And so many times I'd be watching Degrassi while I'm typing this thing, and lo and behold, I hit an E instead of an A because the zit remedy was on. I'd be like, "Fuck, I hate <laughs> this show." Crumple it up, start again. But that was my relationship with Degrassi. Like it was talk about event TV. You did not miss an episode of Degrassi. That's so why I needed to find that movie. Right. So like you needed to find like, it. Oh my God, this exists. And so when I had money from clerks, I called up. And, and when again, you say money, it's like five thousand bucks. Yeah, nothing. Right. But this, well, actually, is I mean that's the thing. I I overpaid. I called up. There was no internet. Nope, there was no label that like, you know, oh, we distributed the whole Degrassi series. They weren't even putting whole series on video at that point, right? So the only place I could track it down was this school, like uh, uh, educational materials company. Right. So I called up and I was like, do you have the Degrassi series on VHS? They were like, yes. I was like, I would like to to buy all of them. They're like, what school do you represent? I was like, I, I don't. I'm just... <laughs> I'm me. I'm a fan. The school of hard knocks. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, um, well, you know, these tapes are like $99 a piece and you've got this many tapes. And it was something, it was 6,000 bucks. Gosh. Like it was a crazy figure where, you know, I, I didn't even blink. I was like, this is why I made clerks. So I could buy what in my mind were these insanely fine, polished, incredibly packaged episodes of Degrassi. I had just been recording on a VHS like three hour, two hours worth at an SP or something like that. So in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, this shit's going to look SP. as good as the video store. And they sent me the plainest, Janest videos. <laughs> like all of Degrassi, at least Degrassi Junior High had the art from the show. <laughs> right. Degrassi High was just like somebody had typed on a piece of paper the episode like names. Like a black like that. Oh, cover. So so remember, remember, and I wanted to display these proudly, like a. Well, you were expecting to have some kind of a, a cover art, a picture, some something. Kind of dope. But I did have schools out, and that became my go-to porn for a long time because I was like, "Oh my!" You God. finally got to see it was the lost episode. It was, and it was everything that Ken. That was the roommate saying. It was everything that Ken had promised. I was like, "This is truly Degrassi's greatest moment," and that was the template for Degrassi: The Next Generation, because 
you walked away from schools out going, holy shit, they went there. Mm-hmm. And that's what they would do on the entire next generation. And it became their marketing campaign. Degrassi, it goes there. It, oh, really? It goes yeah, there. they just had no compunction about like, let's just take it as real as possible, man. Like, let's do a storyline where they're giving out bracelets for blowjobs because that's what we read about in the the, the, the the late 90s version, whereas in the late 80s, it was about AIDS testing and like, you know, some one guy, Claude, had AIDS. Yes. You know, and, and there, or, or a Spike got pregnant. Yes. You know, that's kind of the, the, the rules of the day. And once again, you know, and, and we'll get to the what we're going to talk about today, but that it, it, those types of social issues where everyone's gathering around, you know, the fireplace, so to speak, that's not that's, that stuff is not going to happen anymore Why? because the world has changed. You can see that stuff, you know, online, like you said, Google this and the other thing. But when they talked about AIDS, pregnancy, you know, moving on to, to blowjobs, uh, blowjob parties, people you know, having drunk driving crashes, right. you would only see that on Degrassi Junior High. You know, like an after school special that was even harder hitting than that. Right. It still amazes me that they were able to get away with that in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, it is the earmark of a better system of government <laughs> that Degrassi came from America and nine oh two one oh I mean Degrassi came from Canada, nine oh two one oh came from America. Right. Because essentially nine oh two one oh is them going, Oh, let's make that Degrassi show. Yeah. But let's set it in Beverly Hills and everyone needs to be impossibly pretty. And then uh, yeah. Because <laughs> like the thing, like Degrassi, like, like besides Caitlin Mystician, like who was, there was always a hot girl in school, but other than that, it was just a bunch of real normal looking, looking dudes. Joey had zits everywhere. Snake was like kind of balding and like nine feet tall and wheels had the thick glasses. Like you wouldn't get those type of, the twins were kind of, you know, not super hot like you know what i mean like you wouldn't find that in a hollywood production right you know real they were committed to like holding up a mirror yeah to the culture this so much real. so that even when you get to degrassi the next generation like i would say the first few years they're still committed to mm-hmm. like these are real looking mm-hmm. kids and shit and then those real looking kids got real attractive they, get they started getting yeah, yeah, yeah. more <laughs> real looking better looking <laughs> kids and shit but then see- it became a combo of like look we're gonna tell real stories it's just easier to do With it if we got kids. some pretty kids. <laughs> but see, this, this is what I like about the fact, and I think this does all relate. This is not just some kind of a reaching kind of a segue. The fact that we love Degrassi, and when I say we, it's you and I, coming from different areas of the country, coming from different countries even, mm. we appreciated it because it was real. And that's one of the reasons why I think we both love the movie that we're talking about today, which is Bad News Bears. Yes. Because, you know, once again, you see Hollywood teams, and it's it's kind of become a Hollywood cliche or standard. When Bad News Bears came out, and we're pretty much the same age, yeah. 1976, so we're five, six years old, maybe yeah. seven by the time we 70, saw it. Yeah, me so too. I was six. Me too. Out. But maybe we saw it. I don't. I didn't see it in the theater. So. I did. You did, did you? Yes. But these kids were real. Like this was the baseball team that I played on, right. that you played on. It's like the Shakespearean every man, you know, uh, team that everybody could, could this, relate. This to. team was the only reason I played. <laughs> little league because i was like that's what baseball is right. i want to play this baseball and then you get there and you realize you're not allowed to scream vulgarities <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to fight with your coach and drink beer with him and shit and you're like this ain't little league at all man There's so oh by the way before like obviously we'll get into this 
if you played this movie today mm-hmm. uh, out of context, it is so super politically incorrect. There are definitely moments where you're like, holy There God. is N-words. There is the F-word, the other one, uh, about sexual uh, uh, proclivity. Yeah. There is uh, uh, drinking and driving. There's underage drinking. It's, there's this could be a movie. fat shaming. <laughs> would trigger everybody. Everybody would be so pissed off. In the now, man. But what's very important about this movie culturally I think particularly for people our age, is this movie taught us at a young age how to lose. Right. And that's something that every generation after us wasn't really taught. You got to remember after us is the T-ball generation Mm -hmm. where everybody gets a trophy just for participating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This movie was made in an era and it forged a nation of children that were like, oh, like sometimes you lose. In Mm -hmm. fact, most times you lose. Mm -hmm. And but that's okay because like the bad news bears were cool and they lost so sometimes it ain't bad to be the because loser. It, it's so funny because the movie is set up and I'm sure there's alternate endings sometimes I know there was but you know spoiler alert when they get to the very end of of, of the ending and Kelly Lee gets up and he's the killer hitter and this all guys on deck you know that they hit that if he gets in they win the game uh, or tie the game and he gets tagged out at home and the funny thing is when he gets tagged at home there's no drama. He comes in, he slides, boom, out. There's no like, the music just falls off. And You're you out. Look at the kids' reactions. And <laughs> yeah. it's basically, they let the performance carry the moment. Right. And the performance is, oh, oh. It's, what? It's done. Really? Yeah. And they and, lost? And that's like, you got to remember, that was our generation got the bad news bears. Next generation got Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. And what happens to the Ducks at the end? They win. Of course they do. Because right. you can't. Who's going to go see a movie where a bunch of children are unhappy because <laughs> they lost? <laughs> but we were raised in that. And that's what made our generation, I think. And I'm starting to sound like an old man. But that's what made our generation okay to fail. But see, the thing is. That like, movie taught me it was okay to you, fail. You sound like an old man. But also, for people that don't understand, the 70s was a different world. Like You're talking about a world or Archie Bunker and George Jefferson and Cracker and Honky and the word that N word that we still can't say that was uttered on a on a minutely basis per se. Casual racism. Casual racism. And it was a harder time. Was the world more open to it? Or were have we just have we progressed or regressed right. in that moment, in, in that way? Because when you're talking about the bad news bears, and there's nothing if you if you're looking at the, the Mighty Ducks with Gordon uh uh Bombay. Yes, I was he's a good looking guy, he's well dressed, he's 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 got couth. He's a success in his he's life without the ducks. Right. You look at Walter Matthau as buttermaker. Slash boiler maker slash butter churner. They give They give him so many names in this that you're not really sure what his real name is. He's a bum. He even says, I'm a bum. I'm a bum. I'm a third rate washed up baseball player. What do you want to talk to me for? He pool, cleans pools poorly. Right. <laughs> for a living and drives around a shitbox. It's shitbox. So. And he's, he's not a lovable character. Like as we go through this, there's so many moments where he, he goes in wrestling terms. He does. A baby face turn and a heel face turn and a baby face turn and a heel face. You can never get a, a a read on this guy until the last ten minutes where he finally just says, "Listen, the kid's got to play." But he's not a lovable character. I'm gonna stop you right there just because I gotta pay this compliment because it just rocked my world, and it may be because I'm like just blazing, <laughs> or maybe just because it's a moment in time. But you're so diversified in everything you do that you. We're like, you know, it's like, it's like the, in wrestling, it's a this and a mm-hmm. this and a this. And there was such a disconnect where I'm like, 
Oh, he knows about wrestling as well. (laughs) (laughs) And then about five seconds later, I was like, oh, yeah, of course he does. Can I just say one quick segue quickly? You mentioned being blasted. Uh, I'm I'm not a weed guy, but I don't, I, I, you know, enjoy the smell, enjoy the. I love coming over to your place because I get super high on the contact. (laughs) But here's my all time favorite. Well, now, now we've had so many others, but at the time, Kevin Smith, Chris Jericho moment where we did the podcast. And the first time we did it was, was my podcast, yeah. but we did it at your house. And we started at like, let's say seven o'clock, sundown's at eight. Uh, we're still going at like almost at nine. Problem was when we started at seven, we didn't turn lights on. We're still <laughs> and at about eight 30 or eight 45, I was like, dude, like, do you want to turn some lights on? And they're like, <laughs> it was good. Oh, yeah, it's dude, dark. It's dark in here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been dark for an hour. It was kind of romantic. That's <laughs> kind of romantic. I was like, oh, I love this. Hey, Engelbert. What? There's chocolate all over this ball. Look, Mr. Buttermaker, quit bugging me about my food. People are always bugging me about it. My shrink says that's why I'm so fat. So you're not doing me any good, so let's quit it. Okay, okay. We're talking about, about the Bad News Bears, and just it's a moment in time of filmmaking. But once again, 70s filmmaking, and you're much more of an auteur and knowing kind of the, the, the movie history. I was a movie fan. Movie fanatic. Like, this movie... Shot is, by Michael Ritchie. Directed by the great by Michael, Michael Ritchie. Ritchie. Which, right. if uh, as people see when we start this, you'll be able to watch along. We'll tell you, go. And you'll yeah. be able to, like, watch line it us. up and watch with us. But Michael Ritchie, who later on will give us Fletch... Um, and a, another wonderful movie that never gets its praise song. It was an HBO movie called The Positively True Adventures of the Texas Cheerleader Murdering Mom with mm. Holly Hunter. Oh, wow. He directed that. that. He directed Smile before this movie, The Candidate with Robert Redford. Then he comes to The Bad News Bears. And The Bad News Bears is this very nearly, in fact, it is a perfect film. I agree. An absolute snapshot of an era. But it doesn't at the same time feel, I mean, it's dated because you look at it and it looks like the 70s, but still kind of works today um, in as much as like kids fail. It, let me tell you the reason why it works today. It holds up for this reason. Mm. When my son Ash played baseball a couple of years ago, mm. uh, his team was terrible. I showed him the Bad News Bears. He really enjoyed it. My daughter, Sierra, played baseball this year. Softball, Dad. There's a difference. Sorry. Softball. I showed her Bad News Bears. Her team wasn't as terrible, but kids can relate to this ragtag group of kids. Whether it's 70s, 80s, 90s, or now, you still can relate to it as a kid. And that's why it's eternal and evergreen to me. It's also like it's an underdog story and everybody loves that. But what I'd like to point out is that this is the template from which all other Mm. underdog story movies were stolen like you got to remember in the same period that we got this we got rocky about six months later good point who also loses who also loses two movies in which the titular stars don't do what you're supposed to do in the third act and that's how we were raised like our cinematic heroes lost Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like oh shit like you need a happy third act like it wasn't success wasn't the goal mm-hmm. um a good time was you know mm-hmm. like you could always walk away and thank god i've had this movie because unlike jericho who's had nothing but never-ending success oh, yeah. i have tasted bitter failure <laughs> like you know everyone loves mall rats now but when we did it mm. like no 
And, you know, also, I remember that too, like in 94 reading Entertainment Weekly, like, boy, Smith missed the mark on this one. Huge. And I'm like, what did you miss? They, oh, people hated them. Yeah. And then, you know, 10 years later, suddenly people were like, oh, I like that movie. And now right. 20 years on, you know, hey, they just referenced it in Captain Marvel. I'm like, yeah, I guess we were right. <laughs> you did okay after all. Yeah. But I couldn't have survived. You know, I got introduced to the world to my first film, Clerks, and was overpraised. And then Mallrats, my second film, was like over-destroyed. Yeah. 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 And, and so I, that could have broken, you know, a delicate creative psyche. But I was raised on this movie, uh. so I was okay to lose. You, even lately, like Yogos was one of the last movies I made. People hated it. And I wasn't like, I quit. I'm leaving. Fuck this. I'm not meant for this sort of thing. I was just like, yeah, the Bears lost too. Because like, they were the heroes of the movie. And everything, they had everything going for them to win. And then the coach turns the tide and says, we're taking the best players out because I want the shitty players. Spoilers, mother. Spoilers. <laughs> Listen, this is 1976. It's 43 <laughs> years later. Point being, like I just, I, like I said, I watched it this morning just to get back into it again. Every time I watch it, I just love it. Put Miguel in, like the little Mexican dudes that don't speak English, and like Oglevy's terrified to go in. Oh my God, you're but, burying the. You're, 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 uh, oh, are we gonna go into? Okay, don't, sorry. Don't. What did they say? Don't leave it in the locker room. Take it to the field. <laughs> we gotta fill all this commentary time, and you're doing brilliant work. Point being, when 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 they get to the end of the movie, yeah, spoiler. Everything is leading towards the victory. Yes. All the things that you would see nowadays, like if it was, I don't know, uh, let's say Guardians of the Galaxy, like, you know, the, the top three heroes would be mortally wounded. And they put like, you know, the baby Groot out there and Groot would shoot the laser through the, <laughs> whatever, through, through, through the, 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 the laser beam, uh, shields. That's what I was looking for. And they would explode the, you know, evil planet and everyone would win. Right. In our version, he would try and shoot the laser through the shields. It would close, and the evil planet would then disintegrate him and end of the movie. This, in, in that way, Bears has an Empire Strikes Back ending, but it predates Empire Strikes mm -hmm. Back by at least two years. It does. This was a period that, like, if you weren't alive for it, I'm sure people look back on it and be like, why are these movies so depressing in the <laughs> 70s? But they never occurred to us as depressing. Like, it never occurred to me that, like, oh, they lost in that is depressing like especially because that i was there with them on the journey number one they shouldn't have been there in the first place right like the fact that they made it to where they made the it. victory like getting uniforms was a victory never mind playing a game and winning one game and getting all the way to the final that's a victory to anybody and in this day and we get that but in this day and age because they didn't go all the way with it it would be like, oh, well, they, they, they lost. And how depressing is this? Like you said, but it's not depressing. It's uplifting. And at the end, they still stick it to the man. You know, it, it's, you know what? This reminds me, speaking of sticking to the man, yeah. it's School of Rock. Yeah. Is based on the Bad News Bears. Which kind of makes sense that they then asked Richard Linklater to direct the Bad News Bears remake right which after School of Rock. You cannot do in 2005. No, you can't do in any era. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, look, baseball and Little League is eternal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like it, it'll be with us forever mm -hmm. until the world splits in twain. This movie has a perfectly memorable name. You would imagine somewhere somebody's going, come on, we could do this again. Yeah. But you can't. It's a, it's a moment in time. It's funny. Oh, it's just, my God, such a moment. In today time. I heard they're doing a live all in the family Jefferson. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, well, who's playing Archie Bunker? And it's Woody Harrelson. Right. How is Woody? gonna get away with the 
stuff that Archie Bunker said. Well, they said he's going to be okay with it. No, you can't say those things in 2019 and expect people to accept it the same way. There's going to be a backlash automatically. I, 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 if I remember my all in the family correctly, they threw around the word uh, colored quite a bit. They did. And also had the N-word, too. I wonder if they're choosing a script that perhaps doesn't hit those issues. But then, but then once Maybe again, they'll go for the women's lib issues but then you don't. But then you don't get the crux of what that show was. Like, I was watching Caddyshack the other day mm. when Ted, Ted Knight, was still one of the best heels of all time, uh, Judge Smales, comes in there and... Uh, uh, Didn't want to do it. Felt I owed it to <laughs> it. Who all needs to stick a suit, Danny? <laughs> he gives uh, his, his like, cleats or whatever to to the, the guy to sharpen them or whatever the hell he's right. doing. It's a black dude. And then the Catholic priest comes in and goes, did you hear the one about the colored man? <laughs> and they're laughing about it. And the, the shoe, the shoe guy's like, colored man. Colored what? So even in the seventies, colored was not acceptable. Yeah. Or should it be? That's a terrible name. Right. Bad, yeah. Um, but I think, like you said, like if you go back into this time, the seventies was a strange era that seems like a very weird repulsive worm that you look at from the night 2019 era and go, how did that even exist? Didn't you ever get the impression growing up in the seventies that we had missed history as well? As far as like, you know, like Watergate and mm -hmm. Vietnam were happening kind of concurrent when we were like absolute infants and shit. right. Right, but right. By the time we were aware of the world and stuff, we had just kind of, Oh, they're like, Oh, Vietnam, you just missed it. It's over. Mm -hmm. And like, Oh, Nixon, that just happened. And right. Like, you missed it. It's over. So I remember when we grew up, you know, I felt like, oh, all the important shits happened. Like you'd go to school and you'd have a history textbook and you'd be like, yeah, it kind of stops with like Vietnam and Nixon mm -hmm. because nothing, nothing was going worthwhile has happened. I remember the bicentennial. Yes. And I also remember the. Uh, For those who are like, oh, what's that? Bicentennial was in 1976. This country was 200 years, 200 old, years old. And we threw this year long ape shit Huge. party. Yeah. Where, you know, it was they a real great opportunity to sell souvenirs <laughs> yeah. and beer cans with different lo logos on them. And every, every band had a, like, there's a classic uh, Kiss 76 poster where yes. they're dressed as, like, the spirit of 76. Yes. Um, but I remember, see, let me see if you, if, you, if you were on this tip as well. To me, social commentary at the time was dictated to me by Cracked Magazine and yeah. Mad Magazine. Yes. And I remember waiting at Bigelow's Drugstore in Winnipeg, Manitoba, right down the street from where I lived on Warsworth Way, waiting. When's the new Crack magazine coming out? Mm. And when Crack came out, there was be and Matt as well, there were parodies of movies, TV shows, and a lot of social commentary about o OPEC, yes, uh, which was the like the Saudi oil and all this stuff. And I remember, like, I got more into the Bad News Bears because of the parodies in Cracked and Mad. And they kept pushing it. Like the Bad News Bears had a lot of steam yeah. with the Cracked generation for me back in those days. Particularly because they knew their audience. Their audience, like yeah. kids. Yeah, was us, right? Yeah. Um, Mad Magazine's uh, mascot, of course, What Me Worry. Alfred, Alfred E. Newman. Newman. Let's see how deep you go on Cracked. 
Who was their guy? Sylvester P. Smythe. Oh, my God. You he, and he, I are the same person. You are what I would have been if I tried in life. <laughs> did, you, did you know it was Sylvester P. Smythe? Of course, of course. <laughs> they both had a, an initial in the middle. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, I love Cracked. And who was the guy that did all their covers? John P. Severin. John Severin. Um, and it was a big deal when Don Martin, mm-hmm. who was the seminal mad artist, jumped over. Jumped he pulled a Jericho and jumped from from WWE to AEW. That's uh, he jumped jumped from Mad to Cracked, and but it didn't look the same. Like you can't have those weird Don Martin, big eared, crazy hairs. Like if you're reading Crack magazine, you want to see Nanny Dickering, who <laughs> had the huge God, boobs. You, you are, dude. We are the same guy, <laughs> and that is like, I just love. I, like it's one thing. You're happy to find somebody who appreciated Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. You're really happy to find somebody who appreciated Cracked. Because that was that was like kind of the minor league version of Mad. But I like Cracked better. Minor, minor, minor league oh. would have been crazy. <laughs> crazy Which magazine. I think was Marvel's. Really? I think they owned it. And there was another one. This is really obscure. It was called Plop. Yes! I remember that. Oh my Where God. were you shopping that we had the plop? We had a crazy store, man. Yeah. And like, I guess they went deep on mad and cracked because they sold and stuff. And I remember they gave plop a try, but plop was gone pretty quick. It's funny because a few years ago, yeah, plop, it's not a good name. I went to a place down in Santa Monica and it was cracked.com. They were making a resurgence, but it was online and, and not just a website, but kind of a network. I don't know if it still exists, but it still does. It they does. Do these, uh, deep dive videos on okay is and and they've done written pieces i i yeah i mean i, I haven't looked lately but last I a few looked, years ago there was a crack happening and there. i just thought that was so cool that it still existed in some way shape or keeping form. the brand alive. yeah yeah because to me that guy loved like i said dude like how many i don't know how many things was i so into as an eight-year-old nine-year-old kid waiting on the curb for the for the the press truck to show up with the boxes of like new magazines it's like did you open the that box yet was in the box like that that sort of feeling is not existent anymore either anticipation like, yeah and like it's like going to a record store like oh the new iron maiden record it should be coming out this month let me go to the record store it's not there i'll go back next week it's not there all those things now are like gone. pre-order it and you'll have it yeah or just go before. on itunes and there it is yeah. but I, I i still like you know obviously i'm sure my dad said the same or like you know i went used to go to the 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 pictures and there was a trailer and a cartoon and two features and you get a popcorn and a pepsi for 25 cents right. like that's our version of this right but like we're saying i think bad news bears was one of the seminal movies for our generation in that time frame for so many reasons, but mostly because it was real. Very real. And and again, this movie gave me permission to be me for the mm-hmm. rest of my life. This movie is deep in my DNA. Yeah. This isn't just some movie that I enjoyed this as a kid. You know, the way most people kind of treat movies. And most I treat most movies the same way. But this one goes deep in my DNA and helped shape and foment who I would become. And how I'd perceive the world and how it's okay to... To not be number one, it's right. okay to not even place, and sometimes. to be like you know, like like Tanner was kind of a hero for me. Yeah. I remember like I don't have a Randall and Clerks without Tanner oh, in Bad News Bears. I remember playing baseball, like you said, over exaggerating. Like if someone made a mistake or if I made a mistake, throwing your glove into the ground, <laughs> right. right? And probably saying crud. I believe I would even say crud. Crud. It's, it was pretty harsh for a Canadian. <laughs> You. I'm gonna knock your head down so far you're gonna have to take off your hat. Get the crud out of you! Oh, yeah. Take on all the Yankees after this! 
Should we start it off and, and, and uh, kind of go through some of the stuff here? Because I, I know you know a lot of trivia about this. Oh, I bet you do too. Well, you know, I I, I know uh, uh, I know a little bit and a little bit of stuff. <laughs> I know the names of all the guys, and I'll say one thing too: the fact this movie was so good and monumental, it's kind of like it took me uh, straight into Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, which people say suck. I love it you because still holds up. yeah, like like the, the love of Bad News Bears. Like if you're shooting a rocket, like. <laughs> Gave me enough momentum. It's like, okay, and I got breaking training. I can dig that one too. I don't like Bad News Bears in Japan. Right. But, you know, there's so many interesting characters and moments in this movie. Uh, and watching it again, it's like, it's definitely, you know, top 10, top 20 movies for me of all time, for sure. The big difference between Bad News Bears and then Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, you, in, you see right away off the bat, cinematography. Bad News Bears is an insanely well shot movie that looks like a lot of it handheld. You feels like a documentary, like you're in it. And then Bad News Bears and Breaking Training instantly feels like a sitcom. Hmm. It's like, oh, because Michael Ritchie didn't direct it. Right. Somebody else altogether. Then you're like, wait, where's Buttermaker? Wait, where's Amanda? Right, right, right. That was the heart of the last movie. Who's Jimmy Bale? Yes, yes. (laughs) William Devane? What? But then that's where they get you, like... They were smart to lean into the Kelly League dad story. Well, I think that's memorable. Yes. As is, let them play. Mm. Let that's them the classic play. moment. Yeah, yeah. I think Kelly League in in the Bears, Kelly League and, and Amanda are the two most interesting characters. And and we'll get into it, but Tanner and also too, I, I was thinking this morning about uh about Toby, Toby Whiteworth. He's kind of like in a Greek play you have the kind of um what the are chorus. they called the chorus who kind of explain what's going on he's the 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 constant throughout that kind of explains the story when they <laughs> need somebody to 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 drag them through a little bit rosencrantz and gilden that's yes too. big time but big he's time. more like those cats come in the story and then pop out but he's there for he's the a constant job. he's almost honestly well you know what we'll start the movie let's and, do it and, and you'll see right away what it is you yeah. line it up kids as soon as you see uh, here we're gonna press play. Uh, right now it's one second in with the Paramount logo. The Paramount Mountain is there, and it's about to say the words. We press play. There you go. The stars have just encircled the Paramount Mountain. The Paramount logo is on the screen, and we're ready. For and if you don't want to watch this, then go to what listen to Dark Side of the Moon at the same time as Wizard of Oz. You'll see that. <laughs> <as well. laughs> but then go to stop listening to the podcast. This field still exists. You can go see it. Where is this? Field? It's in the valley. I went there twice uh, since I've lived out here. Um, it's not obviously the same view anymore, mm-hmm. but if you stand in a certain place, it is, they don't have the backstop as we know it right. that was built for the movie, like where they do the scoring and shit like that. But it was uncanny. And I went there twice. Both times I got real emotional and teared. Cause down. let me just say for people who don't know, you're from Jersey. Yeah. I yeah. Am so you're from the other side here. of the, of the, of the world. That basically. font right there. <laughs> the, the bad, bad news, news bears. bears. That's called addled. And <laughs> <laughs> when we put together our production company, Viewsku Productions, 
the view askew was written in animal oh thoughts. wow i was like can i have the bad news bears did you shut up really i did specifically so here's the thing let's let's talk a little bit walter matha who like obviously uh had such a great career in the 50s and 60s we're not from that generation my walter matho knowledge completely is bad news bears yeah. retroactive to odd couple where he plays the slob right. uh where's uh, oscar madison oscar madison the cinematic version cinematic not oh yeah right, right, right. well-known version of the odd couple. right not jack klugman's right. version and then, of course, making a resurgence in Grumpy Old Men, which he basically played this. Boilermaker yeah. in this. I love the concept of he's just like he looks. He's probably like he's probably our age there, and he looks like he's fucking seventy, drunk, bad dyed hair, big rummy nose. That was when like adults looked like adults. They did. He this uh, this dude does look like an adult. And this dude, movie's got this weird, wonderful pedigree. Like Polly Platt's got her name in the credits. Polly Platt works heavily with, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, a Paper Moon director, um, whose name has escaped me because I'm blazed. Out of but my, but my Paper mind. Moon was what Tatum O'Neill was in. And that's how it happens. Oh. And like he talks to her about like, uh, hey, there's this baseball movie. Uh, you could totally do this. Like, and so she's like, all right. And because she had just won an Oscar for Paper Moon, correct? Yes. Now, I read, I did my mandatory 90 seconds of research for this. <laughs> um, she was offered 350 grand and points on this movie. On this movie. So that's how hot she was at the time. I had her on the podcast. No way. Which it hasn't aired yet because um, I was waiting because she had a podcast. We were going to do the same thing. You're yeah, yeah. Start on this and go over there. Is she cool? Very. And she brought her daughter on and stuff. And we talked about a lot of things. But of course, we did a lot of Bears talk. And um, that was the moment mm. in time for all oh, the bears for, I mean, in terms of like, she couldn't have been in a better position. Oh, right. Right. Career. Right. As a, what, like a 12 year old kid or whatever she was. And this movie came into her life and she wasn't baseball savvy at all. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich. That's the director. Okay. Gotcha. So she goes walking on the beach with Peter Bogdanovich to talk about, well, no, that was for paper moon. That's how she got the job. With paper moon. But she talked to him and he was like, you can transpose the story. I'll never know the difference. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> might. Um, this guy here who plays Whitewood, who is Toby's dad, Toby's dad. You could argue Toby might be the main character because he predicates everything. If Whitewood is yep. not Toby's dad, Whitewood is not nearly as invested right. in making in sure making there's sure a team they're that do this right. play on and the bad news bears don't exist. Yeah. And I also love the fact that if you look at Toby, he looks exactly like James Hetfield in 1981. So that's one of the reasons why I like Toby because he's got the same kind of hair, the little snubby nose. One quick thing, too. If you see it earlier, it said written by Bill Lancaster. Yeah, yeah. That is uh, Burt Lancaster. uh, Lancaster's son who based... Uh, this story on his relationship with his dad really had some kind of a weird relationship with his dad. Cause as we'll see later on, there's a really evil dad in this um, played by Vic Morrow uh, who incidentally died in a, a twilight zone yeah. movie accident. But yeah. So like you said, the Whitewood connection uh, had there been no Whitewood, there would be no uh, bad news. Bears. If there's no Toby particularly, right? If there's no Toby, there's no movie at all. Because then Bob Whitewood is just a local politician who has no need to put together to put the movie. Team. Quick segue. Have you ever watched uh, uh, Big Bang Theory? Yeah. Where they say that Indiana Jones, had he not been in Raiders of the Lost Ark, would yeah, not have mattered. Movie, yeah, the whole movie ha still happened yes, with or without. That's not true. Is that right? There's one point where, because Tot, the guy whose uh, face melts at the end, uh -huh. 
when Indy gets in the private jet and they start going to the like the, the red line yeah, from yeah, yeah. he's following Indy to Tibet. Had there been no Indy, he would not have been able to follow him to Tibet. You see that because Indy's on the private jet on the plane. That's true, and he's and he's him. behind the the newspaper. I guess it presupposes that like they would eventually figure it out that Marion Ravenwood had the maybe. The but in my world, around. had Indy not gotten the plane, Tot wouldn't know where to go. So Big Bang Theory can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, they just finished their run. Yeah, I always exactly. wanted to make sure. Like, yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. I was waiting until they were finished the show <laughs> to release that now. information to come out. Uh, so Vic Morrow is so here. We he just saw there. Yeah, he's just saying, like, you guys should just quit. This is ridiculous because Whitewood sues the league. This is to, an affirmative action story. Yes. Essentially. To get his son into the league, even though they're a bunch of kind of miscreants. And I was watching this around. I said, I have to point this out to Kevin. Engel, uh, sorry, uh, 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 Engelbert right. wearing the half Gilligan's hat. Right. A that, bucket hat without the bucket. <laughs> the bucket. That thing existed only in about 70, the lifespan of that was 76 to 77, yeah. mid 78 tops. And Which then you never saw it again. Wait, so what is this meant to do? Shield your eyes and that's it? <laughs> you would still get heat stroke. You would still burn the, your scalp, your scalp, but it's basically like a glorified headband. Yeah, exactly. These kids were so real. This is why this movie works, man. Mm -hmm. Michael Ritchie and co found a bunch of kids. They went, they didn't just cast California kids. In uh -oh. fact, there's a lot of kids like Mike Engelberg here. He was from Texas. Uh, oh my God, uh, Tanner's got the worst like New York. Go back to your beer, Jersey. Oh, Jersey, total Jersey. Accent. Go back to your beer. I was filled with so much home state pride when I found out that he was. <laughs> it's obvious. It's you tell his accent. Oh my God. What about Tatum O'Neill? Where's she from? Tatum O'Neill was out here, She's but she gives a little bit like. I know I don't got too much, but what I got don't feel too good. Yeah, yeah. She leaned into a bit of a, <laughs> a little New York. A New York don't tell there. my parents I see a dad. These so. kids though are from like all over. They they didn't want to make. They just didn't want to cast TV kids, movie kids. It's great Disney though. Kids. That's why it works. I almost wondered if like at some point look at James Hetfield. Look at uh, Whitewood. There. Look at three towheads right next to each yes. other. Yes, and my There's son's a fourth a one with lupus. Like, lupus. Th you don't get blonder than this. As Is a anybody's child. name actually lupus? That's a disease, right? <laughs> and yet for us, he. He was a hero. He was a hero. Um, Quinn, something rather. Quinn Cummings or something like that. He, uh, uh, Cleveland there, uh, Joyce Van Patten. Oh. Unsung hero of this movie. It related to the, the famous Van Patten? Dick Van Patten. Uh, sister? Sister, if gotcha. I remember Because she's got a little bit of the Dick Van Patten wherever he's from New York or Boston or right. whatever. Yeah. She's got one of my favorite moments happens at the end of this movie. But she's a great character who puts it all on Front Street. Her, she shows no, like, uh, hiding her, like, Disdain for the fact that these fuckers got into the league. Like hates Kelly Leak. Yes, <laughs> terrible. But you know what? We'll get to the point. Okay, I love this point too. Or like Engelbert, like talk about fat shaming. Like he's the fat guy who just eats all the time. You know what I mean? Like you could. This was my hero as a kid. You well, know they say representation is important. It was so nice. To see a fat kid who doesn't get picked on. Or if he does, he gives as good he as he beats gets. his ass. Well, let me ask you a question. Obviously, you're a very slim and trim guy. When you were this age, were you a, a chubby kid? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Totally. So you were you were like a chubby guy most of your life. Yes. Gotcha. And so this was like, oh, there are other chubby people out there. Mm. And for me, I was a smaller kid like Tanner. I used to get bullied, but my only recourse was I w had mouthy, had balls and mouth and would, would fight anybody, even if they picked me up and stuck me in a garbage can. Think like, about it too. You and I 
You grew up in Winnipeg? Yeah. I grew up in Jersey. Right. Did you ever see any Mexican kids where you were growing Never. up? Never. This movie was culturally important to us, yeah. too, because it was like, in other places, kids have friends who aren't white. And one more. I'll do one, <laughs> yeah. But I'll do you one better. And this, this is the God's honest truth. I wrote a chapter about this in my book, mm-hmm. my first book. Uh, in high school, I had more little people than black people. Is that there, right? There was two little people, one guy, one girl, and one black dude. So even having uh, Kevin's blowing his nose, great that. audio. Even uh, he's a podcasting pioneer, ladies and gents. <laughs> Next, I'll be eating in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> then chicken. Go bottle maker. But to see the diversity of this as well, and this is not diversity 2019 style. We have to make sure of it. This is just the way it was. They yeah, cast this, these kids the way it should have been. This wasn't like uh, what we used to say in the 80s. That's a Benetton ad where they show like everybody together. Great call, um, Benetton. This was, this was, and I don't even know if this was, if it was a pre-designed or, but this. It feels real if it wasn't. Diversity. You know? Like yeah, I hate yeah. to use a buzzword from now, but like this movie introduced diversity to us as kids. Not only are not all the kids not white. There's also a girl in the mix. Yes. Like, that's why I'm sure somewhere people are like, oh, my God, this movie is just as relevant today. You could totally do this. But but, but they were doing this for the real reasons. Like you said, yeah, it's just as relevant today, but they didn't try. We need a girl. Check this. We need a Mexican cat. Check this. I love the fact that Engelbert there gets pissed off and just whips the ball and smashes Boilermaker's front uh, windshield on his car. And you never, and for the rest of the movie, as far as you know, he never gets it fixed. No. Yeah, it's, whenever you drive around, you still see it. forever. He's already in the hole for this shit. Like, he tells him, like, your parents going to pay for this. He's and like, he's only doing that. this because uh, White Whitewood is paying him Yeah. Which money. this is technically a volunteer gig, is my impression that I get from it. Yeah, and they couldn't find anybody to coach the team, so they found this washed-up pool cleaner. He used to be in the minor leagues. Struck out Ted Williams for Vero Beach, 1965, or whatever. So, yeah, so he now he's mad because... They smashed his. He's not. He's not happy about doing this. No, you know you can tell. And it is kind of like uh, um, an outrage later on at one point. Not a big outrage, but the kids like uh, he goes. He says, "Whitewood, you're not paying me enough." And then one of the kids is like, "He's paying you? Come here, come here, got you there. Just get it down." I love how they have the big, uh, the big uh, fundraiser or get to know each other whatever at the Pizza Hut, the North Valley League kickoff, and they're all wearing like suits and ties. It just total like snotty parents. None of them care about what's going on. I mean, look, who has a suit and tie to the Pizza Hut? This like, is this was a time, too, when the Pizza Hut was relatively new in the world. Ooh. Um, like, I'm going to say 1976, Pizza Hut is only <laughs> nationally franchised at this point, maybe about in a year, two years. <laughs> so to get this in a movie and showcase it, like, it looks fancy. This is a good product placement. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Huge. And I love that shot in the movie when they do the exterior of the parents walking up. Because Pizza Hut, to me... Like, is an image of a happy childhood. Oh. Like, whenever I saw Pizza Hut when I was a kid, good times were coming down. Uh, coming down. So, for us, it was McDonald's. Same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, back in the day, when you were uh, uh, invited or told you're going to McDonald's for dinner, yeah. like, people nowadays don't understand. Like, it was huge. Yeah. It was better than going to Ruth Chris for a 10 year old kid. Like, <laughs> yes. McDonald's, what? Now you just go to McDonald's whenever you want. Like, yeah. I'm hungry. Like, McDonald's was a once in a two or three week or maybe once a month treat very rare very rare to see that i love watching boilermaker here he's just he he, he now doesn't know about the uniforms and he goes to see whitewood in some bar and whitewood's half sloshed he doesn't know he has to get uniforms uh he's just not prepared to be a coach and very unlikable 
yeah. at this point. Walter Matthau plays uh, your grandpa 20 years before he's your grandpa. Did you ever see his uh, very underrated turn in the movie Dennis the Menace? Yeah, he played a fantastic Mr. Wilson. Great Mr. Wilson. We had to put the chicklets in his teeth because yes. he had no teeth. Yes. <laughs> his teeth got knocked out. A John Hughes script. Oh. Can you imagine? John Hughes, um, Midas Touch. The uh, But but also, well, I've, one of my favorite acting turns of his, very short scene, but he was fantastic, in JFK. He's the mm. one that kind of instigates the movie. He has a conversation with Jim Garrison on a plane about the Warren report. Really? He's the one who's like, you know, that dog don't hunt. It, it always occurred to me they were trying to dig that shit out of Peppa. So, wow. Oh, it's such a great performance, man. But also, he's in it, and then later on, Jack Lemmon's in it, so they had both of the odd couple. Odd couple, but to me, and by the way, could you say quickly that they just had a scene where a Boilermaker uh, not only has open alcohol, he's also got 17 kids riding on the back of a convertible. Which you wouldn't even, like, A... You you couldn't even shoot that today. No, no. Like legally, they you wouldn't could, let you put seven unless you had like cars. belts going up to like cranes yes. and like you know green screens. And stuff. They'd have to be so secure. But those kids <laughs> yes. are literally like, kid, just sit here. Yeah. Don't fall off. Don't worry about it. Hold here, on. Here we go. Quick story. Uh, I love JFK, and I love one of my favorites. Uh, I have a, a little bit of. We talked about this. Who has the best one scene in cinematic history? Mm-hmm. And you could say Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Uh, we talked about a few others. The one for me was I think I might have told you a story Donald on set. Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Uh, when I told He's got you, a fantastic scene as X. As JFK. X. And I actually, he was sitting behind me on a plane once, and I happened to have back in the day when you would carry a DVD player to watch a movie, right. JFK in my DVD player. And I said, I loved your turn in JFK. And he kind of gave me the old, like, oh, thanks, buddy. And I'm like, I'm actually watching it right now. And I pulled the damn DVD out and I said, Would you sign this? And he was so like, Wow, that's really cool. Uh, like, you really are watching. You're not just giving me lip service like, oh, invasion of the body snatchers. Like, right. I actually am watching this right now. And you're like, bro, I'm also Canadian. <laughs> just like yourself. Just like yourself. <laughs> I'm from the West Ace or whatever. Canadian f***ing royalty. <laughs> okay, so everybody uh, hit pause here for a quick minute. All right, so go ahead and hit play now. And how about we're at the part in Bad News Bears where Lupus can't wipe his nose but he can make a hell of a gin martini for Buttermaker. The lupus uh, story that runs this movie is bittersweet as, as f- man. Uh, they got a lot of mileage out of a kid who doesn't say a lot. Right. Like probably of all the kid actors in there, the least experienced. And if I, uh, the, I've, I've met lupus in life. Really? Yeah. Like the real lupus? Yeah. Quinn, mama, mama, whatever his yes. name is. Yes. And somebody said, how do you know it's him? And I'm like, well, who would ever claim to be <laughs> <laughs> Lupus. He should claim to be Tanner or Whitewood or whatever. If if he's not, he's doing a great job. When you it see off. him at like a convention or something, I see him uh, generally like at Sundance is where I kind of run. Why into would him. Lupus be hanging out at Sundance? He does. He uh, he had a video series. Uh, you know, he's I, I, not at the festival. Like I got a film here or something like uh. that. But was like shooting a interview thing. I wonder about that stuff when you get these child actors. Like, how do you... I asked him about it. Luke, like, oh, my God, you were him, and that movie meant so much to me, blah, blah, blah. I said, what was it like to work with Walter Mather? And if this is the real, you know, Lupus, the real Quinn, he was like, I was a kid. I I didn't really know what was going on. But, you know, I got the general gist of Mm -hmm. it. You know, I, they fed me lines. Mm-hmm. So right off mm-hmm. camera, Michael Richie would be like, say this. And then mm-hmm. I would parrot it. And then 
I said, what happened with the second movie? Like, why'd you get sick? He's just at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, like, you didn't get to go on the road trip. And it was, I think, if I remember correctly, a situation of, like, you know, we're going to hold out for more money for Lupus. Oof. The parents might have. Lupus's parents were not happy about it. Might have been earning off of his his back. But he, uh, like, it was, that was like meeting royalty to me. You know, it's funny. I had Holy shit, man. You are. You my my the foundations of my childhood is built that. on your on your back. You know, it's funny. I had Will Wheaton on on the show before. Mm-hmm. Same thing. This is you know, Stand by Me. Yeah. Obviously, another one of these type of movies for for us. A little bit older. Same thing. I was a kid. They kind of told me to do. I kind of remember it. Don't really know for sure what happened. Right. I think when you're a kid this young, it's hard to kind of really like. What do you really know as a kid actor? Like these guys aren't studying their lines and going to like you know, Shakespearean, like, or Stanislav, you know, acting lessons. They're just doing what they do. Right. You know what I mean? They're either natural on camera or you're not. And they're selling it, man. Big time. And here we got Jackie O'Haley, who is a future Academy Award winner. Am I right about this? What did he win for? Oh, dude, a little children. Uh... Well, he got nominated, but I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, he was a nom- Academy Award nominated. What he played, it was a pedophile, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He crushed in that. Children of the Grave or something? Or... Ch- uh, little Children. Oh, Little Children. It'd be he better had, if Children of the Grave. He had a kind of cool moment. Like, you you got to remember, like, uh, like you know, most people probably be, oh, that's Rorschach, you know, because he was Rorschach in the, in the Watchmen movie. Um, he was the new Freddy Krueger. He was. When they redid Freddy Krueger. But there was, like, a 30 year stretch where he did, he was not on camera. Mm-hmm. He still worked in production and shit, but he wasn't on camera. But in our childhood, Jack Earl Halley was like, I'm trying to think about somebody you could compare him to the Ryan Gosling of his, of of his day? day. But here's a story that, that, that I heard that may or may not, but you might even remember this. So little children, mm-hmm. maybe the movie before little children crossing guard, yeah. crossing guard was directed by Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah. Was Jack Earl in Crossing Guard? No. Or was, did Sean Penn have something to do with, with little children? Alex. There's something in there. Hold on. So they did a movie called Breaking Away. Yeah. Called Bicycling. Years ago. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, that was like uh, Bad News Bears era, post Bad News Bears. He was into further adulthood. Right. Then they did Summer Stock. And during that summer, Sean Penn and Jack Earl Haley worked together. When Sean did, I'm going to say Crossing Guard, movie buffs will tell me I'm wrong. Whatever the one it was, Sean did a movie mm-hmm. and said, the guy for this is Jack or Haley. Find him. Well, he hasn't worked in 25 years. Find him. And he was like a limo driver. And somehow someone tracked him down. In brought Austin him in, or something. Like that. Yes. And brought him in for some little part that led to him getting this Oscar nomination. That's crazy. For, and I could be completely wrong, but I bet you if you Google it, Hit us up at Talk is Jericho, at I am Jericho, at Kevin Smith, and let us know if we're telling the truth on this. But there was a real good comeback story for Jackie or Haley. And I always have an affinity for actors with three names. I know, man. That and serial killers. Lee oh, yeah, Oswald, yeah, yeah, exactly. Presidents of assassinators and stuff. <laughs> That's it. When you Mark got three David names, Chapman. Yes. The guy, <laughs> the guy who killed Buckwheat, whatever his name was, or shot at Buckwheat. <laughs> <laughs> They always have three names. So it goes bail bonds just happened. Explain that. Iconic. Well, is this again, this movie's educational because when I was a kid I turned to my father and said, What is that? Because adults were snickering and laughing and I didn't quite understand. And he'd be like, Bail bonds. Like look, here goes Bob Whitewood leaving. The guy who instigated all this just fucks off. Is a political thing. (laughs) 
socks off. Um, he, but he doesn't even watch his kids' first game. Buttermaker was told, you have to get uniforms. Find a sponsor. It's not a big deal. Other kids have Pizza, Pizza Hut, Hut Denny's. Denny's, that's right. And the they Yankees have. Denny's. Chico's Bail Bonds. <laughs> Chico's and Bail Bonds. I turned down, I was, what is that? He's like, if you go to jail, but like you, before your trial, you get out, you go to a Bail Bond place. So I was like, why is it funny? And he's like, because you would never put that on the back of a kid's Little League jersey. And I was like, thank you. And suddenly I was a little bit smarter because of this movie. I uh, had the misfortune of going to jail one night here in L.A. at Hill Street County. You might have heard of that at Hill Street Blues. They have a phone that you have to call to get you bail. And you're calling a bail bondsman. And I literally remember, I wonder if they have the name of Chico's Bail Bonds, (laughs) the most famous bail person in the world. They did not. I did get out of jail. The only other cinematic cinematic bail bonds company or bondsman I could think of is Midnight Run. When Joey Joey, uh, Pants was the guy who's like, it's a midnight (laughs) run for Christ's sake, says the title, (laughs) and sends Robert De Niro off to find Charles Grodin. Bail Bonds is so good. So right now the Bad News Bears, they're, they're playing terribly. They've got no chemistry. Uh, they're lo- Boilermaker's drinking beer on the Ogle bench. Ogilvy is sitting next to Buttermaker. He is a child actor who is also in Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Wow. So he's acted for Scorsese. Scorsese And that's that. much more of a serious movie. Than Very serious one. movie. Yeah. Um, but also, he didn't go on to do the TV version because that was a different Can we just say there was a TV uh, show called Alice? Oh. Based on Alice Doesn't Live Here. Alice, the, the diner show? was based on the Martin Scorsese movie wow. that the kid who played Ogilvy was in. Did you know there's also there's also a television show based on the Badgers Bears? Of course. That I starred Mino Pellucci. Yes! My God, Deep Cuts. Deep Paul. Cuts. He was, was in Voyagers. Show. I was just going to say! And what amazing rock and roll video did he star in? Um, I bet you... Go ahead, hit me. By Ronnie James Dio. Oh, he was in that? Last in line. That's just... He's the guy that goes down the elevator to hell, and then he pulls the the veins out of the demon and escapes. And that's post. Post. Yeah, this like, is 1984 or so. That's crazy. Because when I was a kid, it was Mino Peluse. And yeah. now that I'm much more worldly, it's Mino Peluche. Um, he was the, uh, <laughs> he was, as you said, the f- kid from Voyagers. Yeah. And John it, Eric Hexum. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That you remember that name is i'm deep cuts impressed man that's and a terrible point. fate that happened to john eric much like, Brand, like brandon, brandon lee. lee he was the original brandon, brandon lee. lee he put a gun he was joking with a prop gun hey look at me i'm gonna kill myself and she pulled the trigger and the fucking whatever projectile that comes out killed him john oh eric hexham while on set yeah like, oh. on voyagers good looking guy too yeah so uh, a shout out to the memory of john eric hexham right so there. the tv version of this had mino peluche it did. I don't think it had any. Thanks for giving me the <laughs> pronunciation. Who played a, a buttermaker in that? Uh, Jack Weston. Oh, from like uh, Heaven Can Wait. Many redheaded guy, movies. kind of. Yes, the guy wow. who uh, you know. Um, it was a. I guess if you were looking for an aggregate, it wasn't a bad choice. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Kind of similar. Lupus, I think, was in the TV show. Like, I, I feel almost. I feel like I almost lupus. have to Google this right now to get some uh, information. But other than that, like different uh, Engelberg. Well, Engelberg. Engelberg was different all the time. The second, right? Yeah, by the second movie, he was. And different. I think he was different in Japan too. Wasn't they had he? a third one. They were just like, we just need a heavy sick kid. <laughs> but the first Engelberg to me is he's the best. Oh my god, his name so was weird. like uh, Carl Garofalo or some some kind of uh, like Italian guy. 
Um, okay, I've got some uh, interesting information here. Oh, boy. I got something for you on this one. Hit me. Okay, uh, hit me with the best shot. See, Vic Morrow still being a dick, saying just quit the league. You guys suck. Now, once again, we'll say Vic Morrow, uh, probably a great actor. I did not know a lot about Vic because I found out about him. What was the TV show he was on? Like the, the Americans or, or Rat, was it the, like some kind of an army show or something? Yeah, the tank show, I forget. He Rat Patrol. actually died on set. On the Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone movie. movie. Wow. He was, John Landis was directing his segment. Wow. Yeah. He was decapitated yeah. by a helicopter blade. Also the father of Jennifer Jason Leigh. Really? Yeah, that's her dad. Vic, Vic Morrow? Is Jennifer Jason Leigh's dad. I thought uh, Vivian Lee. Oh, Vivian Lee and Vic Morrow. There really? Yeah. I thought it was uh, Tony Curtis. Um, no, that's Jamie Lee Curtis. That's her dad. Do you know that Jamie Lee Curtis and Jennifer Jason Leigh are stepsisters? How? Lee. Vivian Lee is Jamie Curtis's mom. Jennifer Jason Lee with Vic Morrow is no, no, wait. Vivian Lee is not Jamie Lee. Curtis's okay, hold on mom. a second. Okay. Jamie Lee Curtis's mom is Janet Lee from uh, Psycho. Yeah, well, Vivian Lee's from the forties. Got the wind. Hold on. Oh, yes. There is. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Is anyone still listening? That Hello is, out there. They're like, who are these old timey actors you're talking about? <laughs> What was her name? Uh, Jennifer Jason. Jennifer Lee. Jason Lee. I'm telling you, there's a there's a Jamie Lee Curtis connection. If there's not, uh, I will admit that I'm wrong. Well, it's Janet Lee was Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. And well, who's Tony Lee? Curtis is her dad. Okay, that's so, where you get Lee Curtis. Do they her. look the same? There's to- okay, Jennifer Lee Morrow. Oh, Morrow. Okay, gotcha. Vic Morrow. That's I. That is her dad. Jennifer Jason Lee's. Dad oh, Vic Morrow. Morrow. Well, where'd the Lee come from then? Who's her mom? Uh, Barbara Turner. I guess there's another wrong, actress. Man. Yeah, but why, where'd the Lee come from? Jennifer Jason Lee? I thought there was a... Maybe that's like her middle name. And I guess. Like... I just f***ed all that shit up. Okay, but it doesn't matter because now I've got some more information about the Bad News Bears TV show uh, that I'm going to tell you about right now. Hit me. Uh, hit, okay, here we go. I went to the cast and I've got it here. Uh, Jack Warden. I said Weston. You're yes. Right. Jack Warden, Warden, my bad. Buttermaker. Hold on. Put a pin in that real quick. Ahmad up the tree. Oh, a Controversial moment in 1976. Yes. And... Some white parents in the theater that I saw this movie in, I remember took their kids out. Why? Because not only is was there a black naked kid, black there, kid, but it was a naked black kid. Can you imagine, dude? There Let was me ask you this: so, so, in 1976, you're probably five years old. Yeah. Uh, yes. When this, when this, when I see this movie, this movie comes out, and I think June, I'm about to turn six. So what? Uh, I'm assuming you asked your parents to take you to this. Yeah. Did you I'd see a commercial? commercial. Oh, and wow. it's like, oh my god, it's kids. And also, to be fair. My parents were movie people, so they would just take us to the movies. My old man, I think, was a real movie buff. Gotcha. My mom, not so much, but she went along for the ride. But gotcha. My dad loved going Take to you to movies. whatever. So this was, we saw everything. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. anything, you didn't take us to like R-rated shit, but like this was going to be on the menu regardless because he liked Walter Matthau. The fact that it was a kid's movie as well, he's like, oh my God, it's a twofer. You know who else uh, used to do that? Eli Roth's parents. What do you mean? Uh, Eli Roth's dad and mom took him to all the movies. Yeah, yeah. Anything, whatever. Like, let's go to the movies tonight. What's on? It doesn't matter. Every movie counts. Yeah, and then you and wonder that, how he wound up. What he? Well, there, he, what I think he he, I think his parents took him. I'm going to say The Exorcist, but that's not it. Maybe Alien. Mm-hmm. And he threw up because he got so sick. And his dad took him to the bathroom and cleaned up the puke and said, "You're going back to watch the end of the movie, son." Uh, and look where he is now. That'll shape him up. Um, <laughs> let me just say one thing about this too. Um, right before this. Is when Tanner goes, uh, uh, he goes, come on, Tanner, come over here, uh, Buttermaker. And Tanner goes, go back to your beer. 
Go yeah. on, get out of here. Like the team hates him. Yeah. He's Buttermaker is a fucking asshole. This to me is the first glimpse that he's actually a good-hearted guy. When he talks him down, like, come on, Hank Aaron, that 42 arrows, you know about this. Of course you know about it. Right. He talks Ahmed or Ahmad. Yeah. Which Ahmad. Is the part? He calls him Ahmed. He calls him Ahmad. Ahmad. He talks him out of the tree by basically working him in that, listen, you're just as good as Hank Aaron was at his time, and Ahmed doesn't believe it, but, but Buttermaker sticks with it. And that's when you see this guy really does care. He, he doesn't have to give a shit. He, he doesn't. He hasn't given a and shit at this up until point, this moment. Yeah, and you don't like him up until this point, but at this point, you realize this guy, that we have some, there's some hope for him. Um, okay, so Mino Peluche was uh, he played Tanner. Tanner Boyle. How about this one? Corey Feldman. Oh, that's right. He was on the team. Reggie. Who had like zero lines in this. His dad has more lines than he does. Attack Reggie. <laughs> Attack that ball. Yeah, the one guy that keeps showing the whole time is Reggie. He's always there. He's a good supportive dad. <laughs> um, and we have a Shane Butterworth who plays Timmy Lupus, which people call. So that wasn't the real Lupus. It was not. Different Lupus. But they call they call him Butterworth sometimes. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's about it. There's nobody else. There's a Bill Lazarus. How about this one? A Persephone Silverthorne plays a student in uh who played Amanda? Trisha Cast. Hmm. And Trisha is most known for playing uh, Amanda uh, in the Bad News Bears movie. So they on the TV show. This is the TV show. They So they never got any of the real kids. No. None it wasn't of like Animal House had Flounder. The Delta House, <laughs> the Animal House TV spinoff had Flounder. Great call the fact that you remember that. <clears throat> I remember my, that captured my imagination. Like they should do that with all shows. Like MASH. Was a TV spin yes. off of a successful movie. And much better than the original. And this got actually a few seasons, the Bad News Bears TV show. A couple seasons. Well, because you know what? Because kids like us wanted more Bad News Bears. Yeah. And when Crack Magazine, um, you know, didn't, like I said, that really kind of predicated for us how important this was. Let's look at where we are in the movie. We're 31 minutes into a, uh, how many was that? An hour it's 140. Time. So 140. 30 minutes in. So. At the end of Act One is when we meet. 140, 60, plus 40s, 100. Yes. There she is. Amanda Wurlitzer comes into this movie at this point. Heretofore, there's been no mention of this character. Nothing. There's been no, like, and mind you, the marketing campaign, you couldn't avoid this. All around him and her. Hey, they paid her 350 and points. She's the star of the movie. And she don't come in until the 31 minute mark. With no mention whatsoever. But once she's in it, like and your perception of this movie is that she's been in every frame because it is so much her right, story. Right, right. But I think it's really fucking interesting that it took him. You show me another movie where they're going to bring in the second lead 30 minutes into the movie. I'll show you one. Go. How about a movie called Chasing Amy that promoted Jay and Silent Bob that didn't come into the fourth act? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but you need her to tell the story, no, man. And, and here's what I love. To this day, they still sell celebrity maps. I'd never heard. Once again, I'm in Winnipeg. What's a celebrity map? A star map? Like, what is this? That's what I love about this movie, too. It's a cultural guide. And as much yes. as you and I were not from this place. But this was our tutorial on what this place was. Right. And how there were similarities and like, oh, we got a Pizza Hut too. But then there are things like palm trees, mm-hmm. you know, like star maps and, and night, like they're playing baseball up till like six, seven o'clock at night without <laughs> yeah. lights and star maps absolutely still exist. And I pass them like all the time. Yeah. Never once have I bought one because, you know, 
but you always think about this. It's, you know why you didn't buy one? Because your house is on it now. You know. <laughs> you know what? That's untrue too. I did buy one in 1979. My parents uh, and me and my my brother and sister came out here to go. We went to Groman's and shit like that. And I made them stop at a Star Maps joint and I bought a map. Okay. I was looking for Carrie Fisher's house. Okay. Once again, uh, two very similar cats right here. I first came out, I'm going to say 79 or 80. Mm. We went to Knott's Berry, Knott's Berry Farm. Right. Drove in my parents' motor home from Winnipeg down. That's a long haul. Went to Knott's Berry. I met Glenn Scarpelli from One Day at a Time. One Day at a Time. Uh, 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 the blonde girl, Missy from Benson. Missy Gold. Oh, my God. And somebody else. And I remember we went and I remember like, I wish I could get a star map. And my, we actually stopped at a star map and looking at it. And I'm like looking at all these like, once again, like who's, you know, like a Jack Palance. Who the f*** is that? <laughs> like, where, where's Glenn Scarpelli's house? Right. But you could actually find them just like she's doing right now, sitting in a lawn chair on the side of the road selling maps. And what this would be for people that don't know is you would look at the map and they would say, well, here's like, you know, Doheny Boulevard and Mulholland. And if you go to this dot, that's, you know, Carrie Fisher's house. And on this dot, there's, you know, uh, Carrie Grant's house, you know, whatever it might be. I went through my map and I was like, okay, Eve Arden. She played the principal in Greece. Of course. But Good call. she was also in Under the Rainbow with Carrie Fisher. Ooh. So I was like, if we could stop at Eve Arden's house, I can ask her how I could get in touch with Carrie Fisher. That is how my nine-year-old brain works. Like, I'm sure she'll just give me the information. <laughs> of course. Of course. Young it's like stalker. when I was a kid, uh, <laughs> I was obsessed with uh, Star Trek, and I loved Chekhov. Right. And I literally somehow got the address to Paramount Studios, which is what Star Trek was uh, produced by. And I wrote- uh, Also the Bad News Bears. Bear, okay. I wrote Paramount Studios, care of Walter Koenig, who is Chekhov. Yeah. Please- Mr. Koenig, send me a, uh, a signed picture. Here's my self-addressed ever. Put it in the mail and waited like months after months. Like, Fuck, when is he going to send this back? He never did. No says, <laughs> no self-addressed stamp envelope of uh, salvation for you. Oh, here, look at this shit. This is when- uh, One the, of the greatest lines in the movie. Uh, who, down what happened to you? He got in a fight with a seventh grade. Who in seventh grade? The entire, you know, the, the entire seventh, seventh, seventh grade. But whoever says it, Ogley, uh, Engelbert says, the entire seventh grade. Yeah. He goes to see Scott and he's got his hands on it. He goes, the seventh grade. Who in seventh grade? grade? The entire seventh grade. <laughs> Do you want to quit playing baseball, Tanner? Shit, no, I don't want to play ball. I think he says, crud, no. Crud, no, I don't play yeah, This ball. is when they decide that uh, Whitewood decides that because they got spanked 26 to nothing, that it's an embarrassment to the team slash to him. Yes. This asshole dad that who's the worst dad in this movie whitewood or vic morrow's dad whatever his name was joey yeah, turner turner turner. Is it turner or whitewood Ra uh, roy turner roy turner um who's the worst dad uh roy turner hands down he slaps his child in public Spoiler. good point right for his mom i got to also another thing that you could never get away with in this ever age. ever like smacks him dramatic i mean look at this he just literally threw shit violently at kids and one had to hit the deck and he's the hero. And he looks mean. Of get, this get out there. He's meant to be the good guy. Did you know that Jimmy, the blonde haired guy, is related to the Marx Brothers? Yes, in real life. <laughs> yes. The one who looks like Harpo Marx. Like and the, the poor kid doesn't get a line in the whole movie. But look at Nath, though. He's like with his terrible collar. He's right there. That's um, him with the, his cords. 
Did you have cords when you were a kid? Yeah. All of us did, brother. The uh, I stopped wearing them, though, because an ex-girlfriend in high school. Okay, hold on a second. This is this is like elementary school. I know. If you're still wearing them in high school, it's was, 1988. I, I don't want to see you wearing cords in I, Especially tonight, heavy thighs. Dude. You should so be wearing, wearing, wearing cords. You know, the vrut, vrut, vrut. I would wear that shit through because my thunder thighs would just rub on each other. You should have worn acid wash. I should have because they went from cords to just pants yeah. in the middle there and shit. <laughs> Um, See, this is look. This is where buttermakers teach them now how to block a grounder. And you also, know? people are like, of course, this is the standard montage of mm-hmm. as the team builds itself. But I'm going to point this out again. Mm-hmm. This is where the standard team building montage was invented. Mm. This is you. You ain't seen this in a Good movie point. before. Good point. And everyone steals from this template. Good call. Um, but they did it first. Like, you know, this, might, this is the first. Remember, the, remember they said even Rocky had a montage in Team America. Right, right. These motherfuckers invented the rock. The this montage. is the first kind of near do well kid team. Like we talked about uh, the Mighty Ducks and there's a hundred of them, Sandlot and yeah. whatever. But this is the first one. Yeah. You Those know, movies I, don't exist without that. I love this too, that, that Ogilvy goes to the top and then Engelberg goes to the top and here's just, oh, like Engelberg just landed right on skinny little Ogilvy. It's <laughs> alternate, his- alternate universe Jane Son and Bob right there. <laughs> Which one is which? Uh, oh, here's Silent Ogilvy. It's true. Silent, Silent Ogilvy. It's true. got the uh, attitude of a J. <laughs> and it, I love this part where it's like, couldn't you have at least unwrapped it? He was my hero. He's bro. so he's so burnt I would, out. I would eat candy like that because he did. Oh, see, where is that guy now? Hope hope he's still with he's us. He's still around. Uh, I remember, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, ooh, where are the Bad News Bears? And mm. they've done, like, get-togethers and, like, uh, for the video and shit, they've brought those. If I was putting on all. San Diego Comic-Con 2019 or, or 20, wherever we are, I would put together Bad News Bears reunion of the whole team and get as many of them as you can. I would get a picture with them. I would push people out of the way. To get that. Like, I did a Comic-Con in Jersey, Atlantic City. Right. And the only I cared about was Damien Thorne. Ah, little, little Damien. Yeah. Uh, Harvey, whatever. And the guy looks like, like, look at The kid like who him. played the omen in the first time. Yes. And, and like, I've been terrified of that kid for 48 years right. or whatever, 40 years. And when I saw him, I was like, can I please take pictures? Oh, just Jack, I know you. I only saw a picture too. He's an English guy. Yeah. I took a picture of him. He still looks like, like Damien. I'm like, oh. Those are the type of people that I want to take pictures with because we grew up with them. I would go take a, Bad News Bears team picture with all of these guys or whoever it was that, that that would show up just for like oh it'd be so cool right we're sitting in a room right now as we were talking about I think before tell the story started. you got a great picture over your uh, uh, over the door here by Wonder Bros um, looks like a painted picture of the final uh, North Valley League Bears 1976 and it's a team picture of the, the Bad News image Bears. that closes this movie right and we've already seen them take the picture frame. earlier in yes this. Yeah. absolutely but I, I reached out to him and said, hey, man, can you do, I commissioned him. I was like, I, I just want this painting of like the last image in this movie because it's so seminal and formative to me. And um, he was sending me pictures of its progress as it was going. And I was like, well, man, like there was a moment where I was going to write back to him and be like, do me a favor, paint me in there <laughs> as a child, like in the, in the team. And then as a Deep Cuts fan, I was like, you know what? I didn't earn it. Mm. So I, I don't belong. In the Interesting story. And then, so it exists here in the office. It's a gorgeous piece and whatnot. Um, it's great. It's one of, I look at it every day and it always reminds me where I've came mm. from. Not just like, Hey, you saw a movie when you were a kid and you grew up and made movies. Good for you. But this movie is so deeply in mm. my 
DNA. That it's not just like, oh, this was a movie I liked as a child. Certain movies this impact you me. more than that. Yeah, this built who I became, mm -hmm. built who I was as a child, built who I'd become as an adult. And most of the movies that we do on on Talk is Jericho, like I said, The Warriors and Kiss Me's The Phantom and Outsiders and even Sleepaway Camp 2 for my love of horror movies and this movie. These are not is just... two the one with the dick in it or no? That's one. That's one. Two is like, it's so much more cheesy and shady and shitty. But is she still the bad guy? Well, she is. But just Pamela Springsteen is the bad guy, who's Bruce's sister, which is yeah. You might want to watch it. It's it's the perfect example of an '87 slasher, tits and ass, cheesy. Two great, is over one. Two, two. To me, two's better than one. Is that right? It's yeah. like The Empire Strikes Back. Of For me, and so the since this is my show, I like having movies that influenced me. Not just like what a great film. Like I still watch these movies. Right once a year twice a year three times a year whatever it may be because like you said it, it, it's part of who i am as a performer i'm not a I'm director like you are but as a creative person as a as a storyteller these still influence me so wait end of sleepaway camp the girl's on the beach and they pull back and they put a dish she's on got her. a cock yeah and yeah do they like does Sleepaway Camp to open from that moment? No, to be it's, like, <laughs> it's ten years later. She's had a sex change. Now she's <gasps> Angela Baker. Are you shitting me? No, she's there's no cock anymore. But I mean, this is like this is nuts. Now she's a counselor at the camp. Is it the same girl who played the girl? No, it's Pamela Springsteen who is as Bruce. an older person. Well, so the one that played the girl originally, I think her name is uh, Felicity Rose. Uh huh. Ten years later, it's now Pamela Springsteen. Right, right, right. Which literally, literally Bruce's sister. Like, dude, it's Bruce's sister. And in that movie is Renee Estevez, who's Emilio's sister. Holy shit. There's like sisters across the board. And it's super cheesy. One of the best deaths of all time where a girl literally gets shoved down an outhouse, uh, uh, an outhouse, a biffy, as we call them in Canada, with a, a stick. And she's dying from apparently being pushed into water that's filled with shit and piss. And then she comes uh, up with leeches all over her and then she dies. It's like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, it's gross, but you're not going to die. <laughs> it's swimming in shit water. As a human being. <laughs> right. It's not going to happen. The that's second most famous I'm in an outhouse full of shit shot after Schindler's List. There's <laughs> a moment. Remember in Schindler's List where yes. the kids running around the hide? And I remember seeing that movie and I'm like, Look, all of this is horrible, but the moment that you're hiding in a latrine full of shit and he gets into the shit mm -hmm. and then the kids, there are other kids in the shit and they're like, go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find get out shit. of this shit. You've already committed to the shit and then you get in the shit. You're wearing shit. Like, go to another. Like, <laughs> shit. You go to the shit house. Like, you're I can't get your break. All of this sucks. <laughs> um, uh so now we're back with Amanda. So here's the thing. It's such a sad story, once again, about uh, Buttermaker. Oh, my God, that outfit. Look at her dress with the crop top or the bippy top, as we call them. So the 70s. 70s. That feels like the 70s to me. But also, too, like, she, like <clears throat> here's another thing why, why Buttermaker's such a dick. She's like, you know, he helped her growing up. Yeah. He taught her how to pitch. He taught her how to throw. You can tell that he was a father figure to her. And then when he broke up with her mom, just fucked off. Yeah. And it's very deep-rooted pain for her that he just doesn't care. He's a jerk. Or Which she doesn't realize at this point. In her mind, she like first he comes to her out of the blue and she's like, oh, you fucking 
off and blah, blah, blah. But then as they spend time together and he's related to her and, and interested in her mm. because he's got an agenda or whatever, she starts to mistake that for- For wanting to be back in her life. Yes. And it leads to one of the most heartbreaking- Oh, good point, history. man. That also is formative and shaping for an individual. Like, it was, it's not a, like, uh, look, uh, there are many moments in life where a kid could feel betrayed by an adult, and a lot of them are a lot more sinister and horrible and damaging and shit. But in 1976, you're watching this movie, it gave you a sense of reality because mm -hmm. you were like, it picked, you know, and I was blessed I didn't grow up in a house where I got smacked around as a kid. But this movie gave you a sense of reality of like, holy shit, like adults can't always be trusted. Mm -hmm. Like, and not in a way that he touches her or something like that, oh, but, but he, he, he gets he, shitty with her and he's like, don't you think I would have looked you up two years ago yeah. if, I, if I wanted that? I would have looked you up two, two years, years ago. Two years ago, yeah. He, he says, says it twice, twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Just to really... I know, I know. Someone couldn't think of a better way to put it in the script writing thing. That's got to be choice, actor choice. He's like, I'm going to fucking button it with the... But once again, you're dealing with... I'm, 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 I don't know if, if Matho ever won an Oscar for anything, but I'm sure... He should have. Yeah. You're talking about a master. You mentioned Jack Lemmon earlier. Like these, both these guys are just great. Like he's so good at this. I don't know if he might have been the most affluent guy, wore like immaculate suits or whatever, but he's such a slob in this. He he's put, such he a slob. Slug so well. So well. Like his collar is up and he's just like, you don't, he's very unlikable. And you know his kids in the movie, right? Mathau's kid? Yeah, Charlie Mathau's in the movie. Which kid does he play? He's on the other team. I think he's on the, the Yankees. Yankees. And it might not be the Yankees, maybe the, the athletics, but he has the moment with Tanner where the kid goes, what is he? Hold your dick Go to the bathroom for you. Go to the bathroom for you, too. And then Tanner chases him around. That's Walter Matthau's kid. He's, he's got such a weird accent. Hey, Tanner, does yeah. he go to the bathroom for you, too? <laughs> it's like, this kid 50? He went on to be a filmmaker himself. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie Mathau. Shout out to Charlie. I so, love the parent shots. Think about this. <laughs> Giant shades. They don't really interact like with the parents that much. If you were, if mm. they were, make this movie today, mm -hmm. there'd be some subplot about the parents. Yeah, like good point. School of Rock. You yeah, the yeah. whole thing about parents. This movie, the only adults they need to tell their story is Buttermaker, Taylor Roy Turner, Turner, and. Whitewood. Whitewood. You know, Cleveland to a lesser degree. And, and one of the most memorable parts to me, and we'll see it coming up, is after uh, Turner slaps his kid. Oh, my God. The mom is waiting. Yes. And my mom didn't look like that lady, but kind of does. Same hair. And the we'll see it coming up. The 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 crop top with like the high waisted the pants the pants like the denim the belly bum bum denim uh, bell beans. bottoms whatever like that to me was a really she didn't have a line or she might have had a line after was like you know She's like, you, son of a bitch. you son of a bitch but that was a real memorable parent moment yeah and also know? just as I was saying like this movie taught you that like not all adults can be trusted and they can betray you so to speak. It also taught you that, but even if dad's an asshole, mom will be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a really tender yeah, moment yeah. when he This is for boys. Yeah. I love the point, too, when they get uh, Amanda. Look at him. Look at And she's a killer. He hates lupus so much. He hates lupus. But then in Breaking Training, he loves lupus. Well, he loves he loves, he loves lupus in the beginning of Breaking yeah, Training. Yeah, yeah, Loves him. Like the looper, he calls him. But here in this movie, like he's got an arc with lupus that's really touching as well. Like this is where he starts to find affection for lupus right now he's like lupus but later on 
he bonds with. But once again, and that's as, also part of being on the team. As being on the team, there was always a guy that sucked. And I'm not saying I might have been. And they all people, suck on this team. But this guy's the worst. Yeah. And not only that, <laughs> he's he's like he's very timid. He's got no balls. Like Tanner, at least he sucks. But it'd be like, well, you. you know, I remember one time there was a big argument in the WWE locker room between great Kali, who was a giant, and the Big Show, who was a giant, and they got in a fight, and the Big Show went, "You suck," and great Kali went, "You." suck too blow and it's like he's admitting yeah, i suck but you suck too <laughs> and the balls of that I was like that's pretty great like yeah i suck right. but you suck too that is we don't get that from from, from poor uh, lupus like there's just nothing like they all suck but lupus is just taking it from everybody and and is convinced of his, he sucks yeah, yeah. ineptitude right um, but is is challenged by the by the end of this movie right and- but the, Gets a gets a rare <laughs> hero moment in this, movie. and it's amazing. Yes. But we'll get to that point. But here's what I love now: is that they're getting back together. They're, they're getting the team together. They've got Amanda, and now they've got Kelly Leak, who we've seen throughout the whole show. Shades, cigarette. What is he? Nine? <laughs> Smoke cigarettes at nine? Well, he's 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 fucking driving a bike, so he's got to be like what fourteen and a motorcycle. And now he's he meant to be what twelve. She's twelve, so he's and she 30, talks about him being like a year older. Or and he's like, dude, he's like, like he's so small. But now they're at the air hockey game, and if she can beat him, uh, he'll play on the Bears. If he beats her, she has to go with him to the Stones concert, which is still the best bet ever. Kids, this is what Dave and Buster's used to look like. Look at Snorkade. It's just a series of pinball look at the machines. giant uh, necklace on uh, <laughs> on Kelly Leak's phone. It's bigger than him. He, <laughs> yeah, God, he is. It looks like the kid. it looks like the neck thing that they wear in the Running Man. That if you cross the line, your head will explode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I just want to go back to this arcade. And it's like God. Look at that! Like you said, this is Dave and Buster's back in the old days. Wood paneled walls. Where's the video games? Right? There's not. Like there's one kind of I think to her right behind. And that's like early her. Pong. Early. It's, it's very, all, like that thing right there. Yeah, yeah. That I might be a change machine. Thing. That something. could be. You're right. You're right. <laughs> But Kelly, where do they find this guy? Like he's such a like we in Canada we we would call him a skid. He's uh, such a skid. Uh, uh, they do that on fucking um, Letterkenny. They <laughs> use that term skids. <laughs> well, that's from that's real. So, so a skid would be a, a, like a greasy hair, long hair, smoking, drinking, like no future skid. Holy shit! That's kind of what he looks like to me. That's so weird. I would have thought that show created the, that term, but they just. No, no, no we had that. Yeah, they, they pulled that from the 80s in That'd Canada. That'd be like me going like, they invented, Bob and Doug invented the term hoser. <laughs> yeah. And they just popularized They might have, though. I think I, they said they popularized I did it. not hear that term until they came out. But Skid and like half the stuff in Trailer Park Boys, yeah, yeah. the only difference is like uh, regions. Like Trailer Park is uh, Maritimes. Right, right, right. So that'd be like, you know, Jersey compared to Philly compared to. And Letterkenny is like uh, farm country. Gosh, like Ontario. Regina or something. Okay, gotcha. Look at this kid. Uh, again, this is also in an era where you can drive a motorcycle around. No helmet. Bike with no helmet. No license. No um, parents. It just looked like I, being from New Jersey and seeing this, even the nights looked amazing mm. in California. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh my God. You can just drive around and go to arcades. It's like Karate Kid. Like yes, I, like, yes. When he like when he goes when you on see Rosita, you're like, why is this bad? And like he goes on the date with her to that arcade place. I'm to like, I want to. F- oh Castle. my gosh! Like I I want to beg. Please let me find a girl that looks like Elizabeth Shue to take her to an arcade. <laughs> that, that's also neither happened, but I'm still hoping for it. Um, and, and note about her maker's windshield still smashed. <laughs> 
still broke. Look at how good this guy is with child actors. He spends 90% of the movie. The director? Yeah, no, uh, Walter Matthau. Oh, gotcha. Acting yes. with kids. Yes, 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 yes. And he's doing stellar career-defining work in a career that's already been defined many times over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she had just won an Oscar, Best Supporting Actress, for her performance in Paper Moon. So in Paper Moon, when she was here on the show, she talked about being fed a lot of lines. Like, what was that like? And she was like, Peter would just be like, say this. And, and being fed this. a lot of lines just means someone's off screen going. Say this. My name is John. My name is John. Yeah. Here I am on the show. Here I am on the show. You're right. doing a bit of parroting. Right. But by this movie, she's doing a bit of acting. Like she's starting to come into her but here, And here's the typical story of like uh, this amazing child actor. And it's very rare when, I mean, you worked with one with uh, Haley Joel Osment yeah, on, yeah, uh, on yeah. Tusk. This is a fucking genius. But to start at this age and get through to your adulthood, it's a tough time. Because yeah. she did have drug problems. And, you know, I know that Ryan O'Neill apparently did as well or whatever it was. To get from A to B as a child actor is very hard to do. No doubt. Yeah. Right? Here, of course. Speaking uh, of child actor, this guy who just, uh, you know, 86 shirt right there. Yeah. Brandon, Joey Turner. Joey Turner, who is Roy's son. Brandon Cruz. Brandon Cruz. Well done. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jericho, I love you. <laughs> what does he do? Brandon Cruz was in Courtship of Eddie's Father. Really? He was Bill Bixby's uh, Bill Bixby's kid on that show. Must the lead been. of that show. So getting him in this movie was a score for them. Other wow. than Other than Tatum, who was super famous from Paper Moon, he was the most famous kid in the show. How old was he in The Courtship of Eddie's Father? Like three? Nine or something. How old is he now? I guess I want to say 11, 12. Oh, so that was the early 70s show. It was uh, the theme songs. People, let me tell you about my best friend. <laughs> it was like Bill Bixby was a divorced dad or his wife was dead. And so him and the kid had this like hmm. friendship yeah, it was the thing. relationship. Let me tell you a quick story about getting put he in. He went music. into punk music too. What, what? Oh, I've heard that name. Brandon Cruz. He uh, He's in something. Brandon Cruz. I don't want to say the dead Kennedys, but I want to say the dead Kennedys. I'll look it up in a second. But it's not that. Um, I love the fact that this is where we see, and this Lupus still has a, 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 a snotty nose. The this turn, is, too. Look at Taylor. Yes. humanized in this Tanner movie. realizes that 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 uh, Lupus is a kid, too, uh, is a human being, too. I remember being put into the garbage can uh, in the dressing room, St. Louis Blues, 1975. My dad played for the Blues. Mm. And Gilles Marat, Google him. Pick me up and put me upside down, not sitting in the garbage can, head first in the garbage can as a four-year-old kid. As and a then, sign of affection? I guess. Hey, kid, come over here. He's a French Canadian. I'll put you in the garbage can. And then he gave me a f cigarette. <laughs> Canada. Ah, <laughs> oh, Canada, yes. A, a land of <laughs> children old before their time. No. Holy shit. We hit more than halfway part. Oh, All right, hold on. hold on. It is right now 56 minutes 58 minutes we got 45 seconds. minutes left so at right now although i'm gonna pause it there buttermaker has just tossed uh one of the the uh, mexican kids a jock and, 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 and right before that uh the, the one of the plot turning mcguffins yeah. is that roy turner tells kelly leak you'll never be nothing you'll never play ball and Kelly goes, you know what? I'm going to play ball. Go f*** your ass. And speeds off into the night. He create Roy Turner creates the yes. very thing that threatens Roy right. Turner's this is world the reason, the Exactly. And this is he the reason. He creates his own enemy. <laughs> wow. That, we're getting deep on this. It's a deep movie. All right. So what we're going to do here is hand off to my podcast. Yes. The, this is the end of Talk is Jericho. I mean, we've had a good hour. 
if you want to hear, and please, I implore you to hear the second part of this, the the exciting second half of the Bad News Bears, go to the Smodcast. And uh, my show comes out on Wednesday or Friday. When does your show come out? Come out right ever. You tell me when, and then we'll just be okay. up at the same time. Well, my show will be out on Wednesday. This is a two-parter, kids, man. You start on one show, you finish This on is another. really exciting. This is like Family Ties, Brady Bunch, Happy Days. Like Fonz has just jumped over the Chicken Shack at Arnold's and pause. This is a crossover episode. <laughs> Fonz has just jumped over continued. the actual shark and pause. Will it happen? Will he, can he make it? Is he going to die? Find out. Uh, tomorrow, I'll, I could say right here, right but now. we can't do right here. Well, right now, let's we'll do a double. Yeah. Or find out, actually, right, right now, go straight over to the Smodcast. There you go. We'll make it easy on him. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thanks for having me on your show uh, upcoming. It's Smodcast. Do we have to do anything else? Just put in Smodcast? Smodcast.com and they'll find us. And there's also iTunes. I follow Smodcast. Yeah, yeah, subscribe. Yeah. So we're literally, we've never, this is this is unprecedented in the podcast world, we're literally going to stop this show, and as soon as we're done, you're going to go straight over to Smodcast starting now.